You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves in the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe and Vince. And Marty. There'll be a real one later. (laughs) (laughs) Much, much later. Ask Vince how long it took for him to be added. (laughs) I think some of our... uh... You're t- well, it's fading out. You're supposed uh, to talk. Stop talking long before it stops. It starts fading. <laughs> <laughs> We're arguing about our intros. How long was it though, Vince? It wasn't that long, but it- no, it actually wasn't. I can't remember exactly. It was literally like two months. I think it was until it, your daughter visited. Yeah, that's the problem. Is <laughs> and I think actually my daughter might not have been living in town at the time even. So it took a little bit longer. But now she is, so I should be able to get her in. And we will get a proper intro. So that, folks, is what we were talking about. And that's why we were starting so fucked up. But it's only fitting, seeing as this is the first episode with Marty with us full time. So, Marty, welcome to the show officially, man. Thank you very much. Full time fuckery is now my job. So it's awesome. No, it's maybe your volunteer work. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's not your job, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are actually going to make you dive into the deep end, and you're taking point on Destiny 2 because we're both playing the shit out of it, as is Vince, obviously. So we're going to go off on some of the very, very cool shit that we have either seen or rumors that have been floating around on different other things, some relating back to like what Vince was saying about the the worm on Titan, all kinds of shit. We're going to try our best not to spoil too much. Same warning as is going to be apparently every fucking week from now on. There's going to be spoilers. October. We're going to try to, again, this was a conversation we had with Joe as well because he is waiting for the PC version but we don't want to spoil the actual ending. Like it's kind of obvious what's happening. And especially if you've followed along, you're going to be able to see and kind of the writing on the wall, but there's elements of it that if you have not seen, I agree with like what Joe was saying, it'd be cool to experience at least that much. And so we are going to avoid that. So Marty, you're on. Well, I want to start with the first time I have ever, uh, said I regret buying an Xbox one <clears throat> because uh, you guys posted and have seen this. Uh, there's an article going around about a secret strike intro. And one of the cool things that they do in destiny and they started in destiny one was they remix uh, some of the intro, some of the dialogues, location of scannables, sometimes even the mob themselves that you have to fight. Yeah. Uh, but this is the thing that has made me regret my Xbox one. Uh, the secret, Pup, uh, what is it? Operation Baby Dog uh, strike intro. <laughs> Killing me. I need Killing. to see the video of him recording that. That's what I, <laughs> yes. I desperately need to see. Because according to the people, the, the Bungie folks on Twitter, they were saying that's the only time they saw him lose it reading that. And I believe it. Uh, he is such a phenomenal actor. I love rhetoric yeah. in um, Fringe and... What else was he in? Wasn't he in um, John Wick? John Wick and Homicide? On um, no, 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 no. That's Andre Brower. I'm thinking of maybe The Wire. I don't know. He was. He's, he's been, been in a, a lot, lot of stuff. stuff. Yeah. But so basically, it has Zavala introducing a strike protocol, which is Destiny to speak for doing a dungeon, uh, and the title of the strike is Operation Baby Dog. And he delivers it like Zavala would, like, what, what is this? I don't understand what this is. And then Devram uh, is giggling nonstop. Wouldn't oh, you, like, though? <laughs> oh, my God, yes. It made me love Devram a lot more. <laughs> I, because he was so bland yeah. before that, I found. Like, it's interesting now hearing a little bit more about him. But it it didn't add enough for me to be like, you're a real person yet. This did. It's that, again, the action of hearing somebody giggling uncontrollably is so very human. And it it suddenly, for me at least, it added a layer of depth that simply had not been there before. And now I'm on board. I, <laughs> I fucking adore him. Now oh what God, I want I'm... is uh, one of those little collectibles you get at Cade stashes to, to have a reference to him messing with Zavala's <laughs> stuff. <laughs> That would be awesome, yes. One of his little letter fragments or something. (laughs) 
so I love the one. Did you see the one that I posted that uh, he's talking about? He knows. He knows his hunters like to bounce around. He sees them bouncing and jumping all over the tower everywhere. (laughs) And so he says, like, you're going to have to jump to get there. But I know you like to jump. I see you hunters jumping all over the place. (laughs) Yeah, it's a I jump a lot as a hunter. uh, And I let's be honest, that that is one of the reasons that I fucking love the hunter class. It's jumping is so much fun in that game. I can't even understand why. Uh, so it's this uh, Operation Baby Dog Strike Protocol does not have a large percentage of running. It's like less than 1% of the time you'll actually get it. And it's for the PlayStation exclusive strike. So if you have the PS4, feel free to be like, this is awesome. And we now have the superior console because you have Operation Baby Dog. The, the fight is over. <laughs> Operation Baby Dog wins. Wins, yes. I actually don't mind that strike either. It's a fun strike. It's a... it's. It doesn't take as long, I find, as long as you don't rush the final boss, which is something, I don't know if you two have come across the same thing now, but we're at a point where when the aggregate score of of your team is good enough to take down the boss fairly quickly, but unfortunately what happens is that it's not quick enough to also deal with the waves of ads that come at specific mm-hmm. points and those points still come. So I have found time and time again in that one, as we are getting closer to being a dangerous strike team, we're taking that boss down fast. And then all of a sudden you're contending with two waves of ads and we wipe every single time. It's funny, but I've also noticed the same thing, though not with as much regularity, but in some of the other strikes. And I've actually kind of pulled back my DPS and, and concentrated on ads just so that we didn't burn through them too fast because we wipe. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, why like some of the strikes yeah, are better designed where there's like an actual mechanic that you have to stop shooting yeah. the boss for a little bit. Yeah, when I am in a strike, I typically am in an arc strider. So I just, I take care of ads. That's been my job since D1 and I... I enjoy it because then I generate all the orbs and it's fun. Um, generating orbs is, is super cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. It is a fun strike though. So you're missing oh, out. Yeah. It's too bad. Of course. <laughs> yeah, you'll get it in a couple of years. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Destiny 3 drops. Oh, by the way, Xbox players, you can get your Jade Rabbit, your Zen Meteor, and now the Lake of Shadow Strike. Enjoy. Ugh. Um, I got the um, the exclusive rifle, exotic rifle as well. It dropped for me, I think, last week. It's hmm. a fucking nice rifle. Holy Christ. What is it? I don't know. I believe that's the, for. I could be wrong, but I think it's the Borealis. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, I've got my Mida, and when I was listening to the show last week, you guys were like, hold off on getting your Mida. I'm like, Un- no, I need my Mida. Scout rifles drop for me all the time. Don't care. Uh... I love the Maida. Doesn't matter what else. I still haven't started. I'll go work. It's a fun quest. Oh, I know. Oh, but the gun it is. It's my favorite gun. It's been my favorite gun uh, since I picked it up. I used to hate scout rifles and then I got a Maida and then I got the warlock uh, exclusive legendary in D1. Those are like my two favorites. So, okay. Yeah. The gun that I'm talking about is in fact the PS4 exclusive. So you're not going to see that one for a while either. And it oh. is amazing. That's the one that can go through a shield like that and go through the mob afterwards. Every time you reload, it cycles through the different types, element types. Unbelievable rifle. Oh, that is nice. Well, in addition to Operation Baby Dog, there is an upcoming event. Uh, it's actually going to start by the time this uh, pod drops. Uh, the faction rallies will have begun. So... The factions are three, basically, groups of NPCs that you can align with. And in D1, uh, it started that you had to pledge your loyalty to them just by wearing uh, an armor shader or an an emblem or something. I thought it was an emblem, yeah. But then, oh, there's a quest later on where you have to wear the emblem and a shader or a shader. But they also gave you a token, and then you would just run and do what you wanted. I think we're going to see the return of that token because it's just... It makes your life a lot easier, and it's more fun. Uh, there are three factions. For those who don't know, we've got Dead Orbit, uh, which is basically Earth is dead. The Traveler will not save us. We have to take 
humanity to the stars to survive. Uh, Dead Orbit in the farm has a lot of supplies laid out. And there's some NPCs talking about like how Dead Orbit set up these drops for people. So it's kind of cool. Future War Cult, which is led by the oldest EXO that we have found so far. Uh, Their tagline is war is the only constant. Uh, It is. Oh, God. What is her name in Mass Effect? It's she's one of the admirals in Mass Effect of the Quarians. Uh, They're mine. They're my favorite faction, even if they do look like space clowns. I, I love their whole mythos. It's uh, mysticism and time travel. So that's pretty cool. And then you've got uh, the new monarchy, which is a strong leader and a strong city. And it's also pretty much straight up fascism or totalitarianism if you're at your most generous. But it's very but they fashionable. they the coolest star armor. <laughs> they are the yeah. coolest looking <laughs> by far. Well, I mean, the Imperial Guard, the Imperial officers in Star Wars had great armor uh, and great looks, but, you know, morals. I'm going new monarchy for all three of my characters. (laughs) Oh, wow. Well, if so, the faction rally basically is this. We're going to do stuff for these factions. It is gathering resources for our team that we pledge loyalty to and and then it was written in the Bungie uh, update from last week also taking away resources from the other factions so i'm not sure if that's just going to be shooting other buddy in the crucible if there's actually going to be some sort of like yeah i want you to go steal these missiles from dead orbit sort of thing in a strike or something i'd love that Um, yeah but uh what we're gonna see uh if you pledge loyalty to a faction you will get and they win you will be able to buy a special gun for 1,000 Glimmer. Everyone else will have to pay 50,000 Glimmer for it. Uh, and it looks like uh, the community is abuzz that the Dead Orbit Scout Rifle, if it's anything like uh, the a previous role for a gun called Hung Jury, it will be the Scout Rifle, the legendary Scout Rifle that is the equivalent or, you know, fills the same role as your Mida, which is by far my favorite gun and well regarded as being one of the best guns in the game so looks like dead orbit's gonna just by sheer number they also have like the cool black and white shaders they're probably gonna win um but you got your fashion you've got your fascism you've got your space clowns and you've got the goths that want to lead us into space because you know the traveler is dead there is some more well exactly (laughs) well there's there's uh npcs are saying like i was working for dead orbit for 25 years i'm never going back to those jokers now like that's pretty cool development uh the factions at one time they well they basically controlled the city uh and there was a war between the factions back in the early days of the city we haven't seen much of that yet but there has been talk of maybe we're gonna see a fourth faction the concordate come back uh, in fact, one of the big uh, rumors was that the Fallen would actually be led by the Concordat, but that's not what's going on in that game right I'd now. I'd like to see that if they could put in like some extra missions of, you know, once you've pledged your loyalty, having to push back against, you know, the uh, the Renegade faction. That would be fun. Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, the, la- one of the last updates to Destiny 1, they introduced a Sparrow called Lysander's Choice or something to that effect. And it was this lime green... Sparrow was pretty ugly, but it was a callback to some of their in-game lore. Uh, New Monarchy kicked the Concordate's ass, and New Monarchy has a large standing army, it turns out. But we don't know what they did when the city was under attack. Did they help with evacuating uh, the city? We, We don't know. And hopefully, I'm not confident, but I'm hoping that as the faction rally goes on, we hear about what were these faction leaders doing. Um... And I can go way more in depth. About you know what's really cool about that, by the way? Like the use of Lysander because of Greek mythology. That was the Spartan admiral who commanded the Spartan fleet in the Hellespont, <laughs> which defeated the Athenians. <laughs> oh, we were talking about history so cool. earlier, but like it fits, right? Like it perfectly fits. It fits the, the entire bungee game making mythos of like naming AI after swords of famous people. It's pretty cool. That's really, I, I didn't know that. I love that. I'm a history nerd. You're welcome. Yo, my hat's off to my fellow history nerd. Uh, I can go in more depth to each faction, uh, what they do, what, you know, like 
what is this war that the uh, future war cult keeps talking about? Um, there's actually a really cool mission in Destiny 1 where uh, called Paradox, where if you go and complete the quests in time and you don't and you pick up all of the uh, and you don't wipe and you pick up these missing ghosts, you actually get cards that talk about three potential futures that you can see uh, a dead orbit one, a future war cult one and a new monarchy one. Uh, it's a pretty cool thing. And each one of them has something to do in this expansion. Uh, new monarchy hated the speaker. There's speaker. We don't know what's going on with him. So there's an opening uh, war has come to the city future war cult pretty simple and dead orbit it's in a weird position it helped evacuate the city and now there is no city so what's dead orbit gonna do with they gonna just take take off in their armada so it's gonna be a fun thing to see <laughs> see um, the cabal didn't blow up everybody's weapons fucking dead orbit stole them all <laughs> <laughs> they were moving everybody out and they just kind of left them by the side of the road and took off with all their crates yeah i just like oh, I'm, I'm the cabal i'm well, I'm going to take all their or shoot all their weapons, but yeah, Dead Orbit's also got like a very shady series of uh, uh, NPC speak, and I cannot wait for the idle chatter to start when I get there. I'm just super excited just to hang out in Lakshmi's room, which is pretty cool. And then I also love like the the sectors they've set up on the on the tower for each of the the various uh, factions. Like they're not just standing in a corner anymore. Like there's an actual regalia around like this this is their territory like it they're they're really like, i was wondering like you know i was wa- when i was walking around this is before i'd read that the, the faction warfare was going to be an actual event and i was like man this is really cool where's you know the actual factions <laughs> right uh, we went uh, and explored uh, the social area to find out what's going on and there's i'm thinking that there's going to be some activity at the farm so it's going to be a fun fun expansion uh this time around well if destiny one showed us anything too it's that they bungie likes putting in faction rep of some kinds so that you're pushing towards one rep to unlock whatever it is that you get from them that's their recipe for grinding essentially and we yeah. saw that a lot in destiny one i have every faith that we're going to see the same thing here so i uh, got two faction reps to 25 I uh, was trying to get, I actually, I may have gotten all three to 25, but I only picked up the epic item, the exotic item for future war cult. Cause the other two steps are just, in, just incredibly difficult. It's a lot of time in the crucible. Um, and uh, when it's iron banner, doing those quests is not fun. No, um, no, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Iron Banner I, is still fun. Uh, not always. But, well, although it's not as bad, it wasn't as bad after the, the maybe the second or third time, but the first couple were not that much fun. I am so excited about when Destiny 2 finally gets Iron Banner because uh, in D1 with the Rise of Iron event, we found out that there are actually two surviving Iron Lords. Um, and one of them said like, oh yeah, well, there's a whole bunch of guardians and we don't live anywhere near the city and we're exploring using the light, not just to kill people, which is pretty cool. You know, what's really funny here is you said you're looking forward to the Iron Banner event in Destiny 2 because, and see, this is where you're a good fit for the, the, the podcast because you went for, because of lore elements, I went to because I missed my wolf cloak for my hunter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I want the wolf cloak too. Uh, I want to. I'll pay for that shit. Like, give me my wolf cloak. I wore that, that was the coolest thing that they had. Oh, like with the rise of iron, like pseudo uh, medieval suits of armor type look that they had. Oh, it was awesome. I have to say, I'm not super happy with the Arkstrider exotics that I've gotten so far. But if my biggest complaint is that I don't look badass enough, I'm not gonna take too much into that please better than the fucking titan gauntlets with the tentacle shit coming out of them oh god i love my deer antler helmet (laughs) oh yeah the deer that like the antler helmets and oh there's one uh titan helm that was basically like it was like the head of a statue uh it was just so weird looking it's very very creepy the one thing i will say for the dead orbit though that's the only um piece of armor that I would rather have theirs and that's the Titan Helm. That thing is fucking gorgeous. I, I love the look of it. I'm I'm 
gonna go i'm waiting i'm just gonna wait because i'm already pretty much guaranteed to go crazy over one of these bits of armor so Alrighty, so how about we move on to freaking titan okay so this is super cool uh hopefully roger i'll find the video but we'll get to the books of sorrow and talk about destiny 2 destiny 1 long story short there is a sea monster on titan we have no idea what it is I have a personal theory here um, because it looks pretty similar, but I could be wrong. Um, But if you are in Titan and in the I forget what mission it is, um, the one with the the, yeah, where you have to get the the mining vehicle where you have to escape. Yeah. If you just sit there and wait, there is a worm shaped creature that will swim by in the methane ocean of Titan. We have no idea what it is. Uh, It looks like a hive worm, and I'm pretty much thinking it's somehow related to hive worms. It is not Oryx's worm, because that just doesn't make any sense. Um, Because if you look at, you can actively see on Titan where their ship is, where the Dreadnought is. So it went, when you kill Oryx, he goes into Saturn, and Titan is outside of the rings. So not going to be it. Uh, in the lore, now it could actively be um, a, a leviathan that protects against the darkness. Uh, the hive, uh, when they became the hive, they killed one uh, to release the worms so that they could commune with the darkness and become immortal. So they're the inverse of the guardians. What I am convinced of is, though, that it is a hive worm that the hive are growing in the methane ocean of Titan and that we're going to have to deal with it at some point. Well, you think they're actively growing this thing? I think they're actively growing it. I think they're trying to do that, yeah. I See, I thought it was just a rogue one that basically got in there. I didn't think that it was something that they were actively trying to grow. It kind of ties in. It would have to get there somewhere, somehow, right? Like, it doesn't just randomly show up. But there's hive all over the place there. Yeah, yeah, that's what I say. It ties in like what, what I was talking about last week, how if you, you get some of the scannables and you see that the hive is looks like they're trying to grow new strains. And if you look, there's even a strike on Titan called Savathun's Song. And Savathun is, of course, Oryx's sister. And when Savathun and uh, Sivu Arath split off from Oryx, Savathun left with the specific reason of we need to become different in order to become stronger. So now here we he, we see on Titan, the hive is becoming different, perhaps under a new leader. So the, I think that's a really solid piece of evidence. Like the worm, it's, I mean, if you look at one of the worms on Titan and you don't, sh- before you shoot it, because if you see a worm on Titan, make sure you shoot it because it's gross and it has it coming. No, no, no. You don't shoot it. You fucking punch it. Okay. Yes. Yes. Or throw a grenade at it. Like, I have no problem. Just kill it with whatever you can. Uh, the shape and the silhouette is almost one for one. Uh, the, the sea creature's got a little bit of a longer tail, but that's not something that would automatically disqualify it. Um and we don't know at what point the worms have to actually consume destruction and light in order to move on. But if the if uh, Sabathun, who is I believe, yeah, Sabathun was the trickster. Zivu Arath is war, and Oryx was uh, navigation and discovery. So they're, those are their nature, and uh, Sabathun wanting to grow and change. That's her nature. That's how her worms are going to, and her spawn, that's how they would gain in power. So creating something that literally lives in a methane ocean, I think is a way to go forward with your, you know, dark God's wishes. So. See, I kind of thought that it was, when you're on Titan, there's areas where literally those fucking worms are all over the goddamn place. There's eggs crammed in, there's little worms. It would be nothing for some of them to just fall off the fucking ledge or through a hole and then just start swimming. <laughs> and if little Nemo taught us anything, <laughs> just keep, yeah, swimming. keep fucking swimming. So that's <laughs> why when you hear the rumors too, that there might be more than one in there. Well, 
yeah, if a bunch of them are falling off the fucking edges and into the, it's not water, the the, the methane, methane, then presumably there might be a bunch of them down there. Well, and you don't just see it once either. That's the thing, right? Like you, there's a couple different ways and places yeah. that you can see this thing. And the two distinct places where you see them, they look like they're different sizes. Like yes, I'm just one that looks like an actual like sea serpent, which could just be a natural creature creature of Titan. Maybe. Yeah. All that matters with this is that uh, we have something going on in Titan uh, that ties into the Book of Sorrow and the history of the Hive, but from a different uh, from a different Hive leader to Savathun, who is, in my opinion, way scarier than Oryx. Um, if you read the Books of Sorrow, Sevathun is just terrifying what, what she can do. Um, Oryx, you know, whatever, but Sevathun was way scarier. Okay. And that's what's going on on Titan. I'm trying to remember, was there anything else we were going to cover on Destiny? I think that was it for now. Uh, there was the, um, the secret mission ending also on Titan. <gasps> Ooh, oh, yeah. that's right. You want to take that one, Vince? Yeah, the um, I forget exactly what the mission is called, but it's the uh, the one storyline mission you can do on Titan after the main story is over with. You get a mission from Sloan, and it's several missions strung together uh, that, yeah, they've got Titan up and running, but it's nowhere near fully operational. And in order to do that, there's a large methane reactor that they need to gain access to. But the Fallen is also going after the same reactor. So there's a series of missions and I actually really enjoyed like how they did this, where at the end of each mission, there's a fallen captain who's one step ahead of you every way. And like the way that the game taunts you of like, you can see him, you can interact with him, but you're just separated enough that you can't fucking shoot him. And they're the, is he, are you, you know, lucky that you just happen to be there at the right time or is he actually using you to further his own ends because the the fallen of course have a great interest in obtaining this reactor as well so when you get to the final mission and you uh, come across you know the actual reactor room because the fallen aren't the only ones here of course the hive is also a large presence on titan so when you get to the reactor room the captain that you have been on the heels of for this entire quest chain is in a duel with a large hive knight. Now, if you're a good guardian like me, you just chucked a grenade into the middle and killed both of them at the same time. <laughs> but apparently, if you just kill the hive knight and don't attack the captain, he will approach you and like do a little gesture as a show of honor and then teleport away in thanks for sparing his life. And that leads into a lot of questions of why, <laughs> who is he? Why, why would he give up such a source of power? Like there's, it's definitely one of those things where it's more questions than answers, but it's so cool that it's this, I don't want to say hidden, but it's something that a lot of people probably didn't see. Oh, I didn't see it. And it was, I was, when I saw the link and I watched the video, I was blown away by it like like any good guardian if you've dealt with the fallen dude's gotta go like he invaded your planet he's not a it's nice not guy my fault my grenade leaves a line of fire on the floor that just kills both of them right, right? oh no exactly but i mean there's like when you watch the video it's clear that they want you to make a choice here well um, hell even ghost tells you that ex ghost tells I you <laughs> the name of the mission is the enemy of my enemy and then an ellipse uh Choices and Chances is the name of that chapter of the mission. So I'm looking, I'm like, how how did I miss all this? And it's because I had the opportunity to kill a captain and a knight at the same time, and I took it because... Yeah, it's the kind of stuff that you write roll. stories about, and it ends up on the lore tab of exotics. Well, exactly. there's also when the ghost asks you too, like, remind me again, which one are we friends with? Or which one, what does he say? Which one do we like least or more or which whatever? One, yeah, which one do we hate more? Exactly. So, yeah, it's pretty much laid out there. So I can't wait to redo this mission uh, on my warlock and just spare that uh, spare that fallen captain because I think it's gonna it's it's a wonderful addition just to you're gonna have missions with multiple endings like to me I've played shooters for a while and that's not necessarily new but this feels way different uh, maybe just because 
of how the graphics are or just because of I played a lot of Destiny 1. It just it feels really fresh and fun. And the fact that, like, you get to go do it, I'm all for it. I think that's great. There's a lot of smaller stuff in the game with, like, scannables or NPC interactions where there's actually different dialogue based on what you did in the first game, if you did anything at all. Like, one of the ones I immediately noticed was uh, right there when you're at the church in the EDZ and you scan the uh, the House of Judgment banner. And you're like, oh, hey, yeah, that's Varix. I wonder, you know, what he's up to. Whereas when Alicia was playing through it because she never played House of Wolves and they're like, I don't know what this is. I've never seen this symbol before. So it's simple things like that. So now I'm wondering, is your choice at the end of this mission going to matter later? Oh, man. I don't know how they would do that in this. Maybe it will. But they could, but I bet you they won't. Yeah. Okay, we're going to just talk about one more thing before we stopped on uh, Destiny 2 and move on. <laughs> and it's not so much a spoiler, Joe, So, but it is going towards the end. But it's not spoiler, but it talks about the Almighty, which is the the, the big device that's going to blow up our sun and destroy our you know, our, our, our solar system. And the way that they were powering it was with mercury, which leads right into the Not upcoming- the element, the planet. <laughs> the planet, yeah. And this is what is going to lead into the DLC. So, Marty, take this away. So, uh, on mercury, there's a lot of cool stuff on mercury. And how to even begin- there are there's an order of titans called uh, the suns not sun sinkers um, the sunbreakers sunbreakers I was gonna call them hammer bros for a second but that's just <laughs> they're crucible I mean it's pretty accurate yeah uh, so there's also uh, the traveler turned Mercury into a garden world and then the vex uh, turned it into a computer overnight so there is a where we're going to on Mercury is called the Infinite Forest. Zer talks about the Infinite Forest if you hang out with him long enough, which is kind of creepy, but yeah, totally worth it. <laughs> uh, it will be procedurally generated, just like a dungeon in Diablo. So it'll be different, uh, vaguely different each and every time we go. Uh, we don't know all the details, but that's where we're headed to in the uh, Osiris-themed DLC, which, uh, for the record, I haven't spoiled myself on. But Osiris is uh, a guardian who, from what uh, was said in one of the videos I watched, we're going to go back in time to rescue him so he doesn't get eaten by the world eater um, and by the uh, almighty. So uh, we're going to get. What's that? That's cheating. Of course back it's Back in cheating. time bullshit. I'm not happy about that. I got to tell you. I, I well, so. Uh, being a fan of the future war cult and how they <laughs> do that thing, I'm all for it. Like they're also the reason why the long story short, Mida is a reference to uh, Bungie's second uh, shooter, uh, Marathon. Uh, so, and they basically and Lakshmi basically says, "Yeah, it's from a different time stream. Don't worry about it. Just let them have it." Uh, that's why I love the future war cult because they do mystical time travel, and I'm all. I don't care. It's fun. Um, <laughs> so we're going to go and see, we're going to get to the lighthouse, which was this super special, unique social space that you would get to if you had uh, a perfect run in the trials of Osiris. Uh, there are chests and all sorts of weird stuff in this, in this tower as you became a, get like Egyptian themed gear and, you know, hung out with Osiris basically. So we're going to go save him. We're going to go, or her. I think Osiris is a him, but he might be a her. And we're going to go back in time and save him from being eaten by the Almighty, which maybe, but we've done time travel before. Um, in fact, there's like a mission where called, oh, it's the Paradox mission that I mentioned earlier. Uh, you actually, you go back in time through the Vault of Glass and you come out into a different nearby reality. And so... If you do Paradox, you're like Rick Sanchez with a portal gun almost. You're in a different reality. It's pretty neat. Okay, let me ask you this now. How do you feel about the procedurally generated planet? I personally, unless there's a reason for it, and to say just that the Vex can change it overnight, to me is not reason enough. There should be some modicum of 
it should be stationary. Everything should remain the way that it's been. And so to have it change each time, I personally am not crazy about that. It depends though, right? Like, cause if you're, if you're jumping realities or, or whatever the case is, we know from destiny one that there is an infinite amount of dimensions in that exists within the space time. I mean, shit, the nine exists in the unknown space, which is, you know, just outside of our own reality. So if you're doing all this portal jumping, it's entirely possible that you're kind of going through that space between spaces. If there's a reason, again, like exactly what you're saying, if there's a reason that's put in lore wise that it makes sense, fine. I, I personally would prefer if it wasn't, but fine, whatever. But otherwise, to me, it just doesn't feel right. But again, if they explain it, such as something like that, then all right, we'll see. For me, it makes a lot of sense because the for the Vex and what they did on the Vault of Glass um, on Venus, it was basically a quantum computer to calculate all realities and all times to help them write themselves into the fabric of the universe. So saying that they one of their supercomputers is malfunctioning and things are changing and shifting and hopping between dimensions and... Uh, the damage done by the Almighty, some of it's trying to repair itself, it's being pulled apart, it's malfunctioning. To me, that makes a lot of sense. I think it'll be a fun experiment, and Bungie, in my opinion, has earned enough credit to be like, we're going to see how this works. Um, their ability to tell the story that they want to tell, and uh, however overtly or however subtly they want to, with... Uh, so far, the story beats in Destiny 2, I feel like they've hit them all, including how annoying Asher is to the point where he, when he finally accepts you as a guardian, that it's meaningful. So given that all this work and story they've done, I think they can pull off this type of experiment or this type of procedurally generated content uh, within this shooter. So, and if they don't, I mean... That'll be the first big mistake of Destiny 2. I don't even know that I'd call it a big mistake. It probably won't bother most people who see it as a you shooter tried. and just something that has uh, a, a way of making things more engaging for you each time. So from a gameplay mechanic, of course it works. But for me, from the standpoint of a PvE environment that is, again, stationary, that we know and we we recognize the different zones, we know how to get everywhere quickly, things like that kind of thing. To me, that's more important. Yeah. But let's move on from there. Joe, you can talk. And let's talk about Hob. This is a subject we're going to be talking about several times for the next little few pod- <laughs> next few podcasts because we got our hands on it early. We've been playing it. And fuck (laughs) they delivered holy christ joe go for it so if you've been living under a rock uh hob is the latest game from runic games which is the people who brought us the lovely lovely games of torchlight one and two uh a question that i have been asked rather frequently over the last few days as i've been going on and on about how much I, i adore this game is what the fuck is hob hob is like if you took bastion the legend of zelda sprinkle the little dark souls and then threw in the aesthetic of Torchlight 1 and 2, mixed them all up, and they produced a really fucking sexy baby, because that's what this is. It is a game that takes to heart the one rule that we've talked about since this podcast was born, and it's we value the idea of showing, don't tell. It gives so much storytelling Without a fucking line of dialogue, it is phenomenal. So I don't want to ruin too much because everybody's going to get their own interpretation of it. And I don't want to talk too much about the particulars of it. But the controls are very, very tight. Uh, The progression is really well done. And they do this thing where as you progress through the areas, your exploration is rewarded, right? Like it's, it's not just you find certain little hidden things, but you find upgrades you find areas that you will come back to later most likely because as you progress you constantly shift the world one of the coolest things to me as a player who really loves being immersed into a world is there's these little tiny places sort of interspersed all over the place hidden and that they're very specifically hidden that when you go to them you have an interaction and this interaction gives you this beautiful cinematic view 
of you inside of this environment, this this in, infinitesimally large environment, and it's perfect for screenshots, and it's perfect to showcase what the lighting does, what the character does, and what the world looks like. And it was such a cool little thing, because I remember the first time I saw it, and I, I remember they talked about this a little bit. It was like, what the fuck is this? And you walk up, and you you sit there, and your character has different interactions with each of the areas. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just like, oh, fuck. And that's a, a, a phrase that I think, Roger, you've said multiple times while playing this game, because I know I sure shit has, where it's just, oh, fuck. Whether it's a jaw-dropping interaction, a absolutely gorgeous scene, uh, whether it's discovering that you can interact in a, a weird way with not just the environment, but your enemies. It's just really well done. The other thing that I, Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to agree with you about the Holy Fox. There was a whole bunch of them. <laughs> it was funny because, um, I think that anybody who has gamed enough and, and, and by that, I don't mean, uh, like hours so much as variety of games are going to have the same kind of thing as what you described, where you're sitting there going, Man, I can see Torchlight. I can so clearly see Bastion. And then you get your fucking sword and it's Zella. You are, this is lawn mowing sim. <laughs> that's what this the is. The first thing I did was went and chopped down every piece of grass. If there's something in front of me, I don't care if it's a fucking baby calf giraffe or whatever those things are, it's dead. Oh, you have to I'm, pet giraffe. I'm swinging at everything. <laughs> And some of that shit is killing me fast. And then also there was that moment for me where I'm, I'm navigating around and um, I had to climb something. You climb up on one and then it's the same as we've seen in other games where you kind of lean a little bit and then you jump and shift over. And I'm like, fuck, they threw in some Tomb Raider here for good measure as well. <laughs> like when she's climbing with her ice pick and jumps over to the other side and plants her ice pick and keeps climbing. And it was like the same fucking thing. And it was like, oh my God. And there were moments throughout. And then the obvious Hellboy themes throughout that are so unbelievably well done. Like, again, like Joe was saying, we don't want to spoil too much. And this is... Uh, a rare situation for me where I don't want to spoil too much of things that happen right at the fucking beginning of the game. Hell, the first 10 minutes. Exactly. You want to do that and be surprised mm -hmm. by it. And you will be because there's a few moments where you're like, Oh, holy fuck. And, and it's so well written without dialogue that you, you're not going to choke up, but you're like, God damn, that was well done. At least I felt that way. Oh, and I absolutely agree. Like, it's one of those things where, despite there being no dialogue, you can't help but feel for the creatures and the NPCs that you do interact with. And also the main character as you're playing through, like, as you discover more and more bits and pieces. Now, I was started playing this well before they, they released the pre-release comic. And what it is, it's like a prelude comic that's available on their website. Uh, so you can go to runicgames.com slash hob, H-O-B, and you can interact with this comic book. And it's a five-page comic, very short, but very meaningful. And it sets the game up quite well. And you don't need to, to read it to appreciate the game, but it gives you a deeper appreciation of what actually is going on. And as you, you progress further through the game, you realize more and more what the implications of what happened in that comic and what you're doing, how, how there's sort of like a, a gravitas to it that honestly, I, I, I've i seen $65 AAA games don't have that fucking sense of, of gravitas. They don't have that sense of importance to what you're doing. They blew this just completely out of the water. They knocked this out of the park as far as I'm concerned. The dungeons are well done. The puzzles are fantastic. They're seamlessly integrated into the environment. Um, the visual cues to signify when you can do something or what you're looking for are well done enough where they're not glaring, but they're not so hidden that you will always miss them, which I think is fantastic. And it does something too that I think is really important that a lot of games, I don't want to say take for granted, but we as players have been handheld in tutorials for so long that unlike Zelda, and this is where I get this sort of reference, 
Zelda doesn't doesn't give you a tutorial. It doesn't hold you by the hand, the original or even the sequel. You have to figure things out. But it does it in such a way where it introduces obstacles that force you to learn without actually having to say anything. And Hob does that so fucking phenomenally. Like, I've already poured seven hours into this game, and it feels like I just started. Well, like, I played all day. I was off today. It was a sick day. And so, and fucking Destiny was down again. Get your shit together, Bungie. <laughs> Do those patches in the middle of the night, god damn you. Um, but anyway, so I was I was playing Ob, and I put in quite a few hours. Now, granted, I, I, I really took my time. I explored everything. I cut all the fucking trees and grass. I killed all the mobs I could and, and kind of just dinking around because I remember Wonder and Christina saying, like, there's stuff all over that you're likely going to miss. So I'm looking and, and I'm trying some different things with certain encounters because I found that big motherfucker that kept killing me. So I was getting, trying to get him to smash the floor where there's a grate so I can drop down. I was trying to do, to fight him, trying to do, I wasted a lot of fucking time, but then (laughs) I didn't feel like I was wasting it. It was fun. The game rewards you with with how you play and, and different little things that you try. Not always, but sometimes. So I thought, oh, I'll just keep at it. And it didn't feel like a chore. But, like, I didn't get as far as you, Joe. And and I did a lot of fucking shit today in that game. Like, well, it, there's still a lot for me left to do, apparently. And and I think, I think I'm starting to approach the end because they did say that it's going to take somewhere between... 10 and 12 hours for like your first playthrough, your campaign, like to, to, if you were to go straight through, um, and I'm exploring, I'm taking my time. Uh, but I was talking with Vince actually before the podcast, I was playing directly before the podcast cause up to five minutes before we were recording. Cause I can't fucking put this game down and I accidentally find things and then have to find my way back. You know, like the, yes. the sense of getting lost, the sense of getting lost in this world is so enthralling to me. Now, one thing I also am going to commend them on is one thing that I hate about games is when they they absolutely positively force you to fight every single mob. Hob, uh, Rooney Games did a great job with if you're smart about it, you can do all sorts of wacky shit to deal with your combat or to get around them or to make them do certain things. Now, Raj, did you notice there's friendly fire for the enemy mobs? No, I didn't actually. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I kill everything anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Oh, if you mean the ones that, yeah, 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 I've killed them, so it didn't matter, yeah. But I'm saying, like, that's important to note, and it's something that took me a while to, to the sort of, like, come to, to, to grips with, is I can get things to kill things that I can't if I can position them right. And so, like, I've been having fun sort of figuring out, like, okay, well, you're this asshole that does this to me. Well, I'm going to see if I can beat you all the way back here because I got a special surprise for you, motherfucker. Let's play Jurassic Park with your ass. Let's see what happens. And I, did, like, I did that with the rolling guys. I did I, that with the rolling guys, I, too. I pitted two of the rolling guys against each other. This is what I'm talking about, about, you know, again, it's a waste of time, but because it's fun, you're not really wasting your time. It's rewarding. And yes, it was just thing. one of those things, like, because those motherfuckers are a pain in the ass to kill. And you got to time that fist just right to nail them. So finally I got fed up and I went, fuck this shit. I saw there was two. I aimed them at each other. It took a while. And then one of them killed the other one. It was like, <laughs> this is glorious, Runic. Now, <laughs> now see, I'm not going to ruin this for anybody because Roger hasn't gotten there yet. I don't know if Vince has. But there's a mob that I have named Big Bertha. And if you're an old school gamer, you'll understand why. And when you see this mob... I, I just want you to consider all of the fun, stupid shit you can do with it. And it's as fun as you think it is. So I'll leave that there for you. Sort of that one yet. How far but, did you get Vince? Um, I pretty sure I just got past the, uh, the electric area. Oh, and see, I've that's where on, I'm like, in right now. Act of the game. Okay. Cause like it's clearly moving me in a new direction now. Yeah, I'm still stuck in the electric area. I'm trying to figure out a couple of things that are puzzling me, but uh, but no other than that, no, I, I love that because that's a zone too where you get the uh, the fucking platform that you can move around. And it was like, yeah. oh my fucking lord! I was like that was glorious. 
Now I will say, uh, I mean, we, we have a pre-release version of course, uh, like on, I'm playing on PS4, whereas you guys have the PC version. Although I did just get a patch earlier this evening. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I will say like the frame rate chugs a little bit in that lightning area. There's a lot of effects. Oh, yeah. There are a few areas where the frame rate does chug a little bit and they are aware of it. Um, mm-hmm. no, I, I'm, I'm not putting it defensive, down. I'm just you know, pointing it out. <laughs> no, it, I'm just, it actually I'm just crashed like, on me a couple of times during the day yeah. too. So it's, it's one of those, well, there's likely probably going to be a patch tonight. That's what they did with fucking Torchlight 2. I remember when I got his early copies and oh, it was yeah. like, they were like, download it again tonight. We got a new build. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> so uh, here's one thing I'm also going to say about that regarding Runic. And if they're listening, high fucking praise, guys. I have been involved in a lot of game betas over the years. I have been involved in a lot of groups where it's like, oh, give us your feedback and put them on this forum and, and everything else. No, fuck that. Everybody that was testing this game, Runic threw up. Uh, a a discord channel specifically for testing and they said break our fucking game and tell us how you break it so that we can fix it this has been one of the most rapid and sort of responses the most attentive responses i've seen from a dev team in 15 years easily hands down I'm talking about like we'd report a bug. I'd see somebody report a bug that was game breaking. There'd be a patch within 15 minutes. Like Runic, you guys are fucking rock stars for that because we're talking 24 seven. They were rolling this out. And I know I had my copy a little bit before you guys did. We're talking like patch after patch, after patch, after, after update, after download, after update, but it was fine, but it, it was just jaw dropping to me the amount of care and attention that they are putting into this game just before it's even released. I'm going to actually play devil's advocate to that just a smidge and not to say, you know, not to slam on runic. Obviously we love them and for good reason. And I am very, very impressed. I've got actually only one complaint about the game itself. And it's not really a complaint per se. And we'll get to that in a moment, but going back to what you're saying, the, the quote unquote air quotes, problem i have with this is that it's not really a beta i i don't know when their actual beta started but the game is coming out tomorrow so there's not enough time so when you're saying yeah since the beta's been running they've been very quick to fix and all that unfortunately a lot of that has to do because they're in crunch time because i think they might have waited too long for the beta and then you've got a situation where the staff are in crunch time, and, and we know that's something that fucking has to stop. It's not fair to the devs. It really is not a good business practice. So well, and this is where I will counter that a little bit because I've been – this is one of the things that uh, – they've been very vocal about this in their Discord. They've, they've been – they've had people testing this game and doing this. This is sort of like the, the final crunch that I think every game goes through. Blizzard's done this. Uh, most of our, our – our game companies that we absolutely adore have done this where it's like, okay, we have the week before the game is out. Let's overload everything and just get every last thing. But they have been fairly active with a beta group and, and a play test group for a while now. It hasn't just been this last week. And there's always that sort of that crunch time at the end, but we see it with all these other groups. And I will say for a smaller company, despite that fact that, you know, they're cramming a lot of stuff in the last week, I will still say that they are more responsive than what I've seen from other companies like Blizzard, where even when they're doing this, where they're doing open beta, and like we saw this with Overwatch and HOTS and and even the, the latest uh, WoW release, even with that crunch time, even with them opening it up, their responses are so slow, partially due to just their size. And I think the size of Runic lets them sort of make the best use out of crunch time. So I can understand your, I can understand where you're coming from on it, but I've seen them been interacting with people that have been testing this game. And they've been very open about talking about it in their discord group uh, for probably a month, month and a half. Like, okay. Well, I, to me, the only thing that matters is I'm not saying that because I think sure. the product is not uh, up to snuff, not by any stretch. I'm saying that because I want to make sure that all devs are properly treated. And this crunch time bullshit is, has got to go plan your fucking time better is what it boils down to. So anyways, Let's move on to, if you guys have any complaints, however small, my one is how, 
subtle is too light, too subtle a word. The soundtrack is. Yeah. There's it's practically non-existent. And for them, I mean, it's not like Bastion and, and Supergiant Games kind of level, but still for them, for the music to not be front and center and integrated into the story in a way that is profound because of the nature of the story that there's no dialogue. The music had to be in there, had to have a more powerful presence. And mm. it's just not there, at least from what I have seen thus far. And that is, that's actually pretty disappointing. It's, it's not I, huge, but it's disappointing. I don't mind that actually. Oh, I hate it. Well, the reason I do. the reason being like that I don't really mind it so much is because I'm a very audio cue player when it comes to games too, and like there's a lot of puzzles that I've solved because I've been able to listen, and there's a lot of things that I've been able to figure out where I need to go because I can listen to the game world, and I sort of like the fact that the soundtrack isn't front and center because I feel it almost draws me more into the world, and that's just my opinion. I think that you could have a happy medium because clearly we've seen that in all these other games as well, that it can still be in there and fade in and out as needed, different things, whatever kind of thing. It's just, it's find some hidden spots. It's just not fucking there. And, and to me again, for a game that has no dialogue, it's, it's such a huge miss. Like it's not a big deal. I'm using like huge and all that, but it's not a huge deal, big deal, but it's, it's, it's very noticeable and it, it, it irks me. So that's that's my one complaint. What about you guys? Uh, aside from the frame rate issues I came across, I really don't have anything to complain about. Honestly, aside from the frame rate stuff, which again happens in some graphic intensive areas, I don't have a complaint. Like, I'll even go ahead and say it. This is pretty damn close to being my game of the year so far. Really? I yes. wouldn't go that far, but. I've I'm already getting ready to start my second playthrough. Like as soon as I finish this, I'm starting a clean playthrough and I'm streaming the whole thing because I want to find everything in this game. Like yeah. I'm in love with this game world. Yeah. I, I agree. One one good bit of praise I do have though is I greatly appreciate how much this game values my time as a player. In that it's this huge world with so much to do, so much to explore, unique ways of approaching all these. But as you're going through, you're constantly unlocking shortcuts. So traversal becomes easier as you keep going and expanding the world. The, you know, larger enemies, once you defeat them, they stay defeated, at least from what I've seen so far. There's a couple key areas where they, yeah. they will respawn. I, I would imagine so, but at least thus far... when I'm running back through an area, I don't have to like prepare, you know, I'm not playing dark souls of trying to speed run my way through (laughs) to get, to get to where I want to go. But, and checkpoints are frequent. They're well-placed typically near those shortcuts that you've already unlocked. And it's, even if I like do something stupid and jump off a platform, I'm like, Oh God, I have to replay that whole thing, but Nope. uh, I'm right here. Just go here. Oh yeah. I unlocked this door. Now I can go there and, right back to where I was like I really appreciate that it's this easy to continue playing the game there's no frustration at least thus far of fuck I have to replay that whole segment which is my least favorite thing as a gamer I agree that's why actually I didn't see any Dark Souls in it because I, I would have noticed that a lot more because I fucking hate Dark Souls because I for don't me, like for me it's more mind. the combat yeah, the, dodge rolls. Well, not, not just dodge rolls, but every every enemy has a distinct pattern. Mm-hmm. And so learning the pattern for the enemies that you're facing became a big mm-hmm. part of it. Like, you may not even realize that you were doing it, but there are several yeah, enemies that, that learn their attack patterns, and then you react. Just like thus far, every time I've met a new enemy, I've died. But on the second encounter, I've figured it out. So, again, good design. Yeah. Yeah, so, and again, they're teaching you how to fight is what it boils down to for each one of their encounters. All right. Well, that is actually going to wrap up this episode. Thank you very much for joining us. We actually had some more stuff on the show notes, but we are going to save that for next week. And thank you to Marty. And once again, if you're still there, you've been awfully I'm quiet. Still, I'm still here. <laughs> like, Welcome I'm to the show. Donald it is Hobb. great to have you here. I, I'm so happy to be here. Uh, and yeah, I'm going to download myself some Windows 10 and play some Hob. So you're going to see it in the <laughs> if, Discord. If there's a reason to do that, to slap Windows 10 on a Mac at this moment, <laughs> Hob is pretty high on that list. So good yeah. on you. 
So you can find the show notes at ForTheLore.com. You can also find us on Twitter at ForTheLore. Individually, Joe is Loader ZJ, Vince is Simodian, Marty is Officer Gleason, and I am Zen Buddhist. You can also leave us your thoughts and comments on iTunes and Stitcher. And with that, we will see you next week. A fortune won and lost on every deal. All you need is strong heart and a nerve steel. Viva Las Vegas. Viva Thank you for listening to For the Lore. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.